What is spirit and truth worship? The Father is restoring back to us something so important, something ancient, a restoration of his Holy Spirit and his truth for his people to come and worship him in spirit and truth, just like Yeshua came and spoke to that Samaritan woman at the well and said, I'm calling this type of worshiper. But brothers and sisters, as we get excited about these things that God is restoring back to us, we have at the same have to be wary at the same time, because ultimately, since worship and spirit and truth is becoming something that is in and the new thing and the exciting thing, it can be easy to put that on the banner and advertise that as what we're about without actually taking accountability for what that actually means for how we ought to walk that out before others so that we do not repeat the same mistakes of the past. There are protocols. There are things that the scriptures have taught us that we ought to implement in how we come to him, how we approach his throne and how as we are temples of the spirit, he is to go and work through us, not by our flesh coming in his way and not by our fleshly means and ideas, but by how his spirit desires to do things. Brothers and sisters, in Genesis one, verse two, God comes and he speaks to us and says that the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the water. And as it was, it was there waiting for something. Because in the next verse, verse three, Genesis one, verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The spirit of the Lord is in cooperation with the word, with the truth that he desires to speak. We cannot decouple spirit from truth. So today, brothers and sisters, we want to ask, what are these misconceptions? of worship and spirit and truth. And what does it then actually look like? And for me to accomplish that, I have invited a dear brother, uh, brother Tom Campbell on with me, pastor of evangelism at the Vineyard Church in Johnson City. Uh, brother Tom, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Hey, sorry, you just say, repeat yourself there. I just unmuted yeah, you. No, I said it's good to it's good to see you again. It's good to be here. I'm I'm thankful. Oh, awesome. So, hey, Pastor Tom, I think it'd be really good for us to just start off by thinking about you know what is worship and spirit and truth supposed to look like, and what are those those uh, tenants that we need to ensure we have in our character, right, to approach God in this type of worship. And, you know, for me, I guess if, if I can just start off, I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. But for me, you know, I, I believe God is calling us to a place of deeper integrity, accountability, humility. Uh, when we are coming to his word and what he is calling us with that, and when we are talking about spiritual gifts and walking our spiritual gifts out, it ought to be something that we absolutely are doing for his kingdom and not our own. And I think that sometimes when it becomes a spectacle, when it becomes a, a show, when it becomes something that is a, become, a gift that becomes about us, 
instead of that for what the gift was for, and that is to build and exalt his kingdom. I think at that place, things quickly start falling apart. And in, in even more so when we don't have any type of protocol or framework involved right. with how we walk these spiritual gifts out. What do you th- what is your initial thinking on this? I guess my initial thought would be this is the problem that mankind's had since the beginning. You know, even from Cain and Abel, we see this picture of spirit and truth. You know, they somehow Adam must have articulated what and the way that God would expected us to worship. And then however, that got twisted in the beginning. But it seems like a thread throughout all of all of all of Scripture that we're faced with this. God that we're just thrust in the beginning. It says in the beginning, God. So all of a sudden, when the beginning starts, God's already there. We're thrust into this place of meeting him and being with him. And then from that time throughout the whole of Scripture, it's it's covered with men and women that encountered God. And, you know, I think one of the verses that says, I will be sanctified in those that draw near to me. And um, so for me, uh, you know, not having been raised up in church and not been, um, you know, I'm not a preacher's kid. I'm not a church kid. I'm not a religious kid as far as growing up. But so for me, just to open the scriptures and read it and do what, you know, what, what Yeshua said, what Jesus said has been the most challenging thing outside is just believing what God said to do and do it. And um, so for me, spirit and truth in, in, in a nutshell is... Well, I wrote this. I was thinking about this today, Brother Petey. I wrote this down. You know, the Spirit of God is what gives light to the truth. We can read the truth, but that doesn't mean we understand it. You know, that's why, in all reality, a lot of the rabbis and the sages, First John says, if any man doesn't have the Son, he doesn't have the Father. So their their understanding is limited, but yet... So I need the Spirit of God to let me know what the truth actually is, for he wrote it. But on the other side, the truth, you know, it keeps me uh, in in order. It keeps me in the rhythm of what God is and how God works. And and so if I got both of those, by the grace of God, if I'm operating in both of those, it's like a safeguard. But if I'm super hyper spiritual, then more than likely I'm going to crash over a guardrail of truth and I'm going to have a potential, you know, shipwrecking some things. Yeah, and amen to that. And, you know, I think a lot of people have a misconception, especially about that from, I mean, on both sides, there are these pitfalls like you're mentioning, and but especially mm-hmm. just for where we're at, what we're talking about now, what you just mentioned, you know, when people think about the Holy Spirit, they, sometimes the first thing that pops into their mind is like the charismatic movement, right? Uh, people who consider themselves Pentecostal and so on. And I have many Pentecostal brothers and sisters whom I dearly love, right? Um, so, but then you have to think about what is it really to worship in the Holy Spirit, right? Some people might think it's about a song. It's about a very upbeat hip uh, worship song. And, you know, I love worship songs, but that's not necessarily it, right? It, is it about... Uh, um, the fact that there is a mic in front and people can walk up without any oversight and just share whatever's on their heart. Well, there is a good thing that there's freedom. But again, like that's not necessarily just what worship and spirit is. Is it um, that there is a fluid 
um, service that doesn't have any schedule uh, and we just kind of go along with, with the Spirit. Well, we should certainly make room for the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, He is a God of order, right? Um, or maybe it's um, about even being a very charismatic type of speaker, speaking very uh, well and so on. Is that being Spirit-filled? You see, so I think a lot of people, they have these these ideas of these things are really misconceptions because if it's not coupled with the responsibility of order and with accountability or and all these things, then it really mm -hmm. isn't. You, you can't really have worship and spirit of our truth and order and you can't have the truth, as you just said, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit that, that reveals it to you. Right. Well, you know, that's what I think has been the greatest. I mean, used to like, and I don't know about where you're from, but around the mountain area, if you shout, you're spiritual. You know what I mean? If you just shout, if you got the ability to lift right. up an amen right. or a hallelujah, you know, all of a sudden you're like, you're on a different plateau than everybody else. You, do right. that, you right. know, but in, but if you don't do that, then there's a negative thing. But if we go to scripture, you know, the one of the things that Yeshua, Jesus said was, when the Holy Spirit has come, he reproves the world. First thing, it's a reproving of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And so if I'm walking in the Spirit, God's going to be checking my life. He's going to be bringing order to my chaos. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be highlighting with his light areas of darkness in my life. And that's going to be the truth. If the Spirit's doing it, but he's going to use the truth of God's Word to do those things. And then as far as you... You know, you mentioned some, I guess, areas where, you know, how dangerous it is just to hand the mic off and hope that it's not going to derail itself within a few people, you know, because we've both learned that that doesn't happen very often. You know, that's but so how do you do that? You know, that's the question. That's what everybody wants to know. And, you know, what I think, Petey, for me is mm -hmm. uh, Joshua Selman said he was the product of many anointings. And I believe that. So when I'm when I get the opportunity to stand, I see different men in my life that I've gleaned from come out of me. And, and, you know, I've learned that over the years, they all had part of that, but you know, there's times I've been in places that my heart bubbled up because I wanted to bring some type of order or correction, but I didn't want to offend God. I wasn't really necessarily worried about man as much at times, but I didn't want to offend God. And so and that's because I lacked understanding. I didn't know what the truth was. I was emotional. I was moved. I was uh, caught up in the moment and it was good, but yet the truth wasn't there. You know, and I think maybe that's even what the Apostle Paul meant when he spoke about a novice, you know, not being put in a position of authority just because of a lack of experience. And so, you know, I, I'm, I agree with you. We're in a a generation, a season where God is truly bringing the spirit and truth back, you know, and I almost hate to use the terms we're using like whole Bible, because now that's going to be a denomination tomorrow. It's sure. going to be a whole Bible church, you know, or and so I, I want to draw back from that even. But there's some truth there that, you know, I was thinking the light that God gave Martin Luther when he came out, it formed this whole movement. Wesley had a method about worshiping God. So it formed a whole movement. You know, you look at the Baptists, they had their they had their spot, their light and their truth. And they came out from under the oppression that they were in religiously. And, you know, and it brought us to this place. And here we are, you know, Brother Petey in the 
you know, 2023, we're no different than any other generation. We're given a spot and a place and a time to do what God said to do. Mm. And, um, you know, and I think the best verse for that would be Revelation, where it says in the book of Revelation, where it says, here are they that have the testimony of Jesus, of Yeshua, which we learn to be the spirit of prophecy. And they walk in the commandments of God, which we know is the truth. And that's been what the devil, the seed, this dragon's been after uh, since the Garden of Eden is those that are actually walking out spirit and truth. And that's kind of where we're at, you know, tonight. Absolutely. And I, and I think we shouldn't be ignorant to think that the enemy is just going to throw up his hands and, and do nothing about what God is busy doing in his people. And and that's why we want to make sure that we don't repeat those mistakes of the past where there has been times when the Holy Spirit has really uh, he, he's wanted to move upon his people in, in wonderful and mighty ways. But if there's not the humility on how to um, steward that move of the spirit. In other words, when there's some when he comes and wants to do what he wants to do, there will be inevitably people and agendas and other confusing things that try and creep in to try and steal yeah. the spotlight, to try and create confusion, to try and try and create this order. And then when others look at this and then uh, they see this order and they don't see what they're supposed to be seeing, what the Holy Spirit desires to really do, then, you know, we we lose people in that sense. So, you know, we ha- we're partnering. God is partnering with us. We're partnering with him. That's why we're temples. Like he's, he's saying, I want to live in you and work through you. That means that we have to really steward like a minister, like Aaron was as a priest. We have to steward um, this, what we what he's given us. Now, let's let's just uh, maybe get a little bit more practical here. Um, You know, I I think it's important for us to think about, okay, there's this is what God wants to do. We have a lot of uh, churches, denominations, many different types of believers. And how do we help people get into their walk of worshiping God in their spiritual gift um, and, of course, keeping the commandments? But especially in the movings of the spirit, you know, I think it's so important to educate them on their spirit, on spiritual gifts, provide them the freedom to develop those spiritual gifts in your fellowship, in your group, but then to institute a protocol for that freedom. In other words, this is the freedom that you have. This is how you can exercise it. But at the same time, we're going to have protections where if so that when people practice their gifts, they know where the line is. They know that people that they're going to be accountable. They know that they need to be accountable to their pastor, their leadership, and that, like Paul said, the, the prophets are subject to the prophets. And, and perhaps we can even read a little bit about what Paul said there. But yeah, but yeah, I think, you know, uh, Pastor, Pastor, you were at the events with me that we just recently had. And, and I know that that's your heart, right? There's this harder we have to have of let's do this in order right yeah you know that's even if think about this pd i know you know the scriptures remember what the lord said whenever a man wanted to relieve himself outside the camp that he had to cover it up because if he yeah. saw that he would turn away from the camp and this yeah. ain't in the camp this is outside so if he would see something like that and that would cause him to turn you know what do you think that the lord and all of his abilities sees 
out of our heart, our emotions, our, you know, the, what God's been really dealing with me is the fountain of what I'm drawing from the very seed of who I am. Like, what is my motive in everything that I'm doing? Cause that can taint, you know, everything. And so, uh, as far as, you know, how do you walk that out? First, you gotta be taught, you know, Solomon said there's count, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And so, as you and I, as we as a body grow, you know, even like Paul said, if there was somebody was speaking in tongues and, you know, pray for an interpreter that or pray that you can interpret, or if somebody is standing up with prophecy, let him finish and then sit down and then let another stand and then let everybody else there judge if what this man is saying is the truth. Right. And so that's not to shame nobody. That's a guard and a protection to the body that it's edified and that everybody is growing together and being edified. So how you do that, that's been, you know, at our fellowship, the cry of our heart and to facilitate. I don't want to say create, but to try to facilitate like a like a conductor, almost a, a, a place where God has freedom in structure. We've structured it, but it's free. But also now charging the body, you're free, exercise your gifts decently and in order. And then we give opportunity. Okay, this feels like there's a place here that God wants to speak. And then we we create an atmosphere. We created a spot and then we just quietly wait and then watch. And we've had people do both. Get up with the word of the Lord. Correct everybody. Encourage everybody. We've had people get up in the flesh and we had to say, that just didn't seem right. And that's the hard part. You know, I remember right. one of the first times, Petey, that I ever saw this was from the pastor, Matthew Miller, where I'm at. Years ago, they was uh, we were having a church service and it was just one of those good services. Like <clears throat> everything went good. Spirit was high. Sure. And there was a group in there that said at the end of service said, we uh, we just want to invite everybody out. We're having a revival down the road. And if it's just going to, it's just like this. So if you want this, you can come down to our event. And I looked at the pastor and he, he put his hand on his mouth for about 30 seconds. And he said, I don't want none of my sheep going down to that place. They push people over. They're weird down there. Don't go down there. And I thought how awkward, but how needed that was. That was a true shepherd in that moment saying, I'm uncomfortable with the way they do things. I don't think it's all Holy Spirit. So I don't want my sheep. You can go. But my sheep, I ask you not to go. And so it's just been men like that that have stood out, that have, that, have, that were strong in maybe one area or maybe strong in multiple areas. And what I found, PD and me, is it was there. I just didn't know how to do it and I, or I didn't have the courage to do it. I saw it and I didn't know how to walk it out or I, I was more timid or maybe misunderstanding on how to actually implement what I'm feeling inside. And I think that's mm -hmm. what's really going on is, that's you know, you see, I see, we go to different fellowships and a lot of things are going good and they hit a weird spot and then they get out of it and it's back good again. And you don't want to like break them down, but you want to encourage them because you understand that God is a God of order and he's, his, his heart is to bless people. And the more we're refined and get in order, the more of God and his presence will have. And that's the ultimate goal of everybody, I believe, you know. Absolutely. Hey, I want to just read um, some of here what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29. And uh, we read, let two or three prophets speak 
and let the others weigh what is said. Ever, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And so you see, that's that is what you're talking about, Tom, is, you know, there is this need where he says the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. In other words, that means that there's a an accountability where if someone receives a prophecy and I mean, we should be expectant of that because that's what Peter said would happen. He said in the book of Acts, chapter two, quoting Joel, that sons and daughters will receive dreams and visions and there will be prophecies and there will be all these signs and miraculous things that his spirit wants to do in and through us. But now when that happens, we have to subject it because if we start moving outside of that subjection, we can start being like, I think this is from the Lord and I start speaking this out and I start doing this. And start, but then we have to have the humility to understand that God has put his spirit in the body for the body to check itself. So if the hand goes off and wants to do this other thing, the rest of the body can be in protection of that hand and be like, hey, you know, and I think this is key, Tom, like what you just said is wonderful, where it's um, how do we how do we do that? Because it's you need to be bold, right? That's that takes a, a, a boldness to to actually bring correction because that's never fun to do. But there has to be this loving gentleness where this person knows that you love them, that you care for their souls, that you care for uh, you want to see them grow. And if you communicate from that heart, hey, brother, you know, you said this, this, this and that. Let's talk about this. You know, I, I personally, I'm not sure, you know, and, and so letting that happen and letting that brother or sister receive that correction and then letting them grow because now they can be like, well, that's what the voice of the Lord does not sound like, right? Like that was me. That was my flesh or whatever. But then what does the voice of the Lord sound like? And let me pursue that deeper. And then next time he can bring that word to his leadership again and be like, hey, I, I feel like maybe God is speak. He wants to use me in, in prophecy. And and I feel like this is maybe what he wants to say. I want to submit this at your at your uh, for you to listen to and tell me what do you think, you know, uh, and that's that is so important, you know, for there to be this this community setting because that's what allows spiritual gifts to flourish i mean tom i mean i'm sure you can you've seen the same but you know i i think that the lord gave spiritual gifts to be used in community because they were given for the body right to be edification to the body and that's what paul is all about in in 1 corinthians 14 like one Mm -hmm. at a time right one at a time and let it be edification let there be order so that everyone uh is edified and that there isn't just chaos and no one knows what's going on. And yeah, so yeah, that, yeah I think I mean, it's so important. And there, and there's even, yeah, there's even a, a balance in that. Cause you know, Paul also can say, how is it that all of you got a tongue and a song, you know? So there's this balance that even Paul knew, like now they're getting the, they're catching on like first Corinthians chapter one. He said, you guys are coming behind God. You're not lacking in any gift. I mean, all the gifts in the Corinthian church, they were full flip flags were flying. You know, it was on, <laughs> but they lacked wisdom. They lacked knowledge. And so that's what I've found throughout, you know, 
the church is you go to one church and they're strong and in, in one gift, you know, and you see that and it, it impresses you, it empowers you. And then, you know, you go to another church and they're strong in this and you think, what would happen if we got those two together? You know what I mean? Right. If whatever that say prophecy and, uh, and the good sound like, and cause that's something else too, brother Petey in our generation sound biblical, I hate to use the word theology, but it's real doctrine and theology, yeah. this sound fundamental approach to the scriptures, Amen. especially in the Hebraic messianic movement is so lacking. It's just, but that's truth. That's foundational truth. That's what we build on. So if we build on that and we have the spirit of God, we can be an upright man. We can be, we can be a mature man. Cause that's what God wants. You know, sometimes, fathers are not just they don't just have children you can have children and not be a father if you're a father you know how to care for your children and love your children and, and correct them and caress them all of that is what is termed a father and so you know the fathers are to teach the younger the mothers are to teach the younger and i think we're coming out of a generation where that was lacking and i'm not bragging on myself i'm just saying one thing that stirred my heart is in the church is one, there was no accountability. Nobody cared what I did really outside of, you know, the Sunday morning time that I had with him. And uh, there was no real transparency among brethren. And those two things I'm seeing God restore in my own life. And it's been good. And it's, it's been challenging. You know, when you've got a loving brother that looks at you and says, man, you're in a funk. You need to get out of that. And you're like, I know, I know that I am. But yet on the other side, you can go to that same brother and say, brother, you, um, uh, you're a little quick and you're a little hasty and you need to back up. And, and they receive that. And so that's a, you know, an intimate thing that the body is lacking until now. And I see that coming to life. And that's a precursor, I believe, the spirit and truth, because it isn't what's happening in the congregational setting only. It starts in our home. It starts in the fellowshipping of our brothers, the pastors, the leaders, the elders, and it grows out of that place. And if we don't have intimacy with the Lord, our family and the leaders, how can we expect to stand before the congregation and expect this wave of God to come in with order? And I know he does mm. things gracefully, you know, if we're not doing it on a, you know, a micro, this, this menial level where, um, where it starts at, you know, and that's what I think God is actually doing. And it's exciting to see. I'm excited, you know, not, with a holy fear because I'm not, I'm not outside the box for God to correct and, and, and put in place. And, and, you know, and I've had that happen, you know, and, right. uh, and I guess, you know, and that's one thing we learn. We know what it feels like when it's good and we know what it feels like when it's bad, you know, and so right. we learn how to give too as well. Right. And you, that's, you see, Yeshua say, speaks to his disciples and he says, you know, they will know you by the love you have for one another. And it's no secret that that has been a massive struggle for the body of Christ to love one another in our differences and everything that there is. Some of us are harder to love than others. I'm just kidding. But, you know, like God calls us to to love one another and the Holy Spirit um, really empowers that by his spiritual gifts, like what you're talking about, when there is this submission, um, when there's this, this, I love you so much, and you love me, and there is this 
understanding that we want the best for one another. We're not enemies. We're not here to fight. We're not here to like, and then that means even if there's correction in that context, that the, 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 the correction will, could be received easier and you will recognize the love that your brother or your sister has for you. And then there's less betrayal, less gossip, less all of the stuff that we so often see that is so unfortunate. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, hey, uh, Pastor Tom, tell me, for example, like if there is a, a tongue, right? Someone, you know, speaking tongues is one of those that Paul often, you know, he addressed it a lot because it's a gift that can easily be uh, misused. Um, what do we, what do we say to a fellowship who's like, Hey, we want to welcome the Holy spirit, his spiritual gifts, but how do we let the gift of, how do we facilitate this gift of tongues with what Paul says about say interpreters? So I'll, I'll just give you some, what we've done as a body. So for one, you know, when it's an intimate setting, when it's like the elders are there, nobody really cares if you speak in tongues. You know what I mean? It's an intimate, prayerful setting. But a congregational setting is a different thing because you have different levels. You may have Baptists and Catholics and Lutherans and Methodists and, and unbelievers. unbelievers. Yeah. So you got you got this mass before you and you don't really know. You don't really know who's before you. You may know some. So what we've done as a body, and um, I've seen this used well, and I've seen it, you know, not go well. You know, we've had, you know, at the beginning of our, at, at the beginning of the vineyard, if you would have, if, Petey, if you were to come in the back door and just visit, you would have saw shofars and tongues. That's all it was. You know what I mean? We're waving flags, everybody's speaking in tongues, blowing shofars, and it's all Hebrew. And I told Brother Matthew one day, I was like, Brother, can I be honest? I cannot bite nobody to this church. I don't bite nobody. You know what I mean? And he was right. like, and, it, and it's so funny because he was shocked. He was like, wow. And right. but the other elder was like, yeah, Brother Matthew, we, I don't, I don't bite none of my Baptist friends to this place. <laughs> no, but what That's this what is Paul what was all this, about. That's what he was saying. Yeah. You know? They will but say you're crazy. Is, exactly. Yeah. What was good was, we had such a relationship that he was like, well, tell me, what do I need to do? And so we began to refine that. And so going back to the question, if somebody has the gift of tongues and say, and this is a, an example we had, this man, you know, I've heard a lot of people speak in tongues, but I've heard some people that had the gift of tongues. Like it's a, <clears throat> they are, it's a real gift. And so they were speaking in tongues and it was right. And then he interpreted it. And it was felt right on. So we went to him after the service and we said, brother, we would really appreciate it. Like if you feel that, that you would let us know, because we want to bring you to the front of the congregation. We want everybody to know that we're endorsing what you say. We acknowledge the gift that you have and we want to do that. And he was like, OK, thank you. Well, he goes home and I believe the devil played on his mind because then he got offended and he, he wouldn't come. And so I went and talked to him. And he came back and then another time we're in the service, he jumps up just during during the service and just blutters something out in tongues. And at the end of the service, we go back to him again, you know, and say, hey, brother, um, man, you're awesome. We we appreciate you. But, you know, we uh, we really need we're just trying to bring order and walk in this right. So when you feel that, if you would just, 
you know, kind of let us know somehow, some way, and we will give you the mic and you can come to the front and you can address the congregation. And his reply was, I, I just can't contain God. I just can't do it. And I said, well, brother, um, the scripture says the, the spirit that is in us is subjected to us. I said, you know, how many times do you think while Petey's preaching or or Nathan's preaching or Matthew's preaching, I don't want to jump up there and grab the mic and preach because I do. But even if the Holy Spirit is, is welling up in you, you're going to yeah. have self-control. Yeah, so I'm going to go up and grab it out of your hand and be like, Petey, give me five minutes. No, that everybody there would be like, what? That's disorder. But why is it when you do that with somebody in the tongue, now you're the one in disorder because you've stopped this flow? So, again, you got to give a place where people are comfortable to do that and exercise that. And, you know, we were gracious and loving. And, and there's been people that's given tongues. There's been times that, Tongues were given, and interpretation came, and there's times that there was an interpretation or a tongue given, and we waited, and it didn't seem to have an interpretation. And uh, what do you do in all that? So we would just walk through that. We would ask people. And then we found out after the service, many people came up that said, I think I had the interpretation, but I was scared right. to share it. You know, And so we were like, why? Why were you scared? Well, the last time somebody spoke out, it was kind of corrected a little bit, and we're like, no, no, no. When we, you know, so that whole thing is what we're talking about, how to do that well. So we've got to create that atmosphere. And I, by that, I don't, we don't dictate to God, but we give us place and a space yeah, yeah. for God. We, we, we allow, we see, because you can have a very structured service and have no opportunity for the average congregant who's not the pastor to be involved. Like they need to be involved to a degree, or at least if the Holy Spirit is moving upon them to be involved. Um, yeah. You know, and I think practically just, you know, just to break this down for anyone listening is, you know, when if someone has a a word, right, or a tongue or whatever, as Paul basically says, you know, he can he or she can speak it out and we will then give them a moment to speak it out. And we don't let it go on. Like, I'm not talking about we're not going to let them speak for 10 minutes straight. Right. We're giving them a moment to speak and then we wait. OK. Is there an interpreter? Is there someone in the room? We can even take the microphone and ask, is there someone who's receiving an interpretation for this, mm -hmm. uh, this word, right? And then if there is someone, they can come up and share and we praise God, right? If there is no one, then as Paul said, that person should pray to himself and to God. That, is, that moving of the spirit on him is not for the public edification, but is for the <coughs> private, the individual's edification. And so... Amen. And in that, I want to submit, you know, the things we're talking about now, uh, it is it is so awesome because I think this is what people want. I think that people from the outside, people who have been even hurt by certain uh, movements, who've been very, very liberal, if I may use that word, um, in terms of um, no, no, no protocols at all. Many people have been hurt by things in, in those circles and they are looking for an authentic, orderly how can the Holy Spirit be welcomed and free to move? But at the same time, we make sure that people's flesh and people's their own desires are kept in check. And so, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that is so important. And so, I think that's like you said, I think that's what go God's doing. Yeah. No, no, you're good. I was just going, I think I'm just agreeing with you, brother. Mm. Um, 
So I think, uh, you know, our feelings, and this is, this is the thing is, you know, one thing that people struggle with is like feelings, right? Like, like they feel like, how do I know the Holy Spirit is moving? And when is the Holy Spirit? Is it, is it a feeling is, but you see order itself to be the things we're talking about is defined by the scriptures. It's defined by what Paul said, like, like, like having uh, an interpreter come. And if there's no interpreter, let them be, let the, let the tongue rather speak to himself and to God. Uh, these things, as pastor Tom said, it's not about like, I feel like I need to speak. I feel like I need to go on for so long. I feel like this is right. Therefore, I don't need to submit it to anyone. What you feel doesn't matter if the word says that you need to have order in how you approach that gift. And so I, I think that that can happen on the on the side of people who are very passionate about the Holy Spirit and and already kind of operating. And then you have the other side of people who are very passionate about his word. Maybe they're still learning about the Holy Spirit, but they can in the same way have their feelings be what causes them to point a finger at spiritual gifts as a whole and right. judge by those feelings. And, oh, we see someone who's trying to cast out demons, try and judge that. Oh, that's not real. Oh, that looks weird because, you know, I mean, uh, brother Tom, we just had our uh, one meeting here in, in Georgia and, and you saw it yourself. I believe, you know, there was a little boy uh, on the ground at some point. He was small. And he was manifesting a demon because he had a history of witchcraft in his family. And it doesn't look pretty like, you know, it, it yeah. doesn't it's not something that that even looks orderly in from our perspectives, because when as the scripture says, you know, when de when Yeshua is causing out demons are coming out of a loud cry and scream and and that sure. looks, you know, that looks <laughs> like, whoa, like, is that like that doesn't look orderly. So do we then quench the casting out of demons? Do we say that can't happen? You see, so. So I, I, I just feel like it's important for us to 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 recognize that order is defined by the scriptures. And that is if demons were cast out of the scriptures, that is order, <laughs> too. That's order, yeah. You know, <clears throat> yeah. But that's like you said, the whole of scripture is really what is our I like to say this is we're like a train. That's the spirit. But we got to have a track or we'll get derailed. And the whole of scripture is that track that we're running on. And so it's, you know, like you said, going back to the to this young this young man that was um, that was in this moment, he was struggling and you know, this this thing in him was more loud than he was. And it's it's easy to be uncomfortable, you know, it's easy to get afraid. And part of the fear is because we've not been taught. You know, you know, if you look at the military, if you look at the police, if you look at anything like that. They teach you that you will only fall back on your experience. You will only fall back on what you've been trained to do. And when the body at large is untrained, they don't have anything to fall back on. And so and what happens in a place where you can't fall back on any training or experience, it's a natural thing to be afraid or fearful. And I think that's part of the um, the dilemma with the giftings and the callings of God. You know, we're coming out of a... a, a a generation of the church that have, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, denied the moving of the Holy Spirit because it left with the apostles and there is no more apostles. And, you know, there's only 12 and yet scripture, there's more than 12 in the scripture, you know? And so there's this, 
but what God is doing now is he's, he's opening our eyes. The blinders are coming off. We're understanding there's a decency. There's a, there's an order to this. There's a, and then as we get experience and, you know, even Paul says experience gives us hope. Hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And, you know, and, and so what we're seeing now, even with this young man, you know, it's, it's, what's liberating is when you see this boy set free. And the, and the kingdom of God comes with power. It ain't just me saying, you know, a verse of scripture and then go home. The verse came in authority and power and brought change to somebody's life, you know. And so whether it's speaking in tongues or casting out a demon or laying your hands and it's a miracle. I mean, I'm talking a straight up. It's not just healing. Somebody jumped out of a wheelchair. I mean, this is a miracle, you know. Right when you see the demonstration of the spirit of God come and, and say, okay, I'm going to give my seal of approval. What's being said and done here is okay with me. You know, that's what the body's looking for. And it comes when the body's in order. I mean, that's what I really, I mean, that, that's why we're having this conversation. It is so important. And if there's any pastors or leaderships listening, you know, ask the Lord, pray about, you know, how do I teach my congregants these matters? Because this is something that needs to be, uh, you need to be ahead of it as much as you can be. At least you want to be uh, telling, talking to your fellowship about, well, how will we do things and how can we welcome things and how do we allow you to 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 use your giftings? These things have to it's not just going to, uh, you know, if you don't allow that, if you don't communicate, if you don't, if you don't teach that, it's not just going to happen. Right. Like you have the Holy Spirit isn't going to take over someone's body. And without their, you know, he he's the fruit of the spirit. Is, say again. No, I was, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fruit of the spirit is self control, right? So, so there has to be a a a a a teaching, a truth that is taught, and then the spirit moves in the midst of that truth that is taught, and and so allow that freedom, brothers and sisters, in your fellowships to to, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5.20, do not despise prophecies, you know, as written it. 1 Corinthians 14.39, he goes and he says, do not forbid the speaking of tongues, Paul writes. That means that there will be people who will despise prophecies. There will be people who will want to forbid speaking in tongues because, well, you know, it's not orderly. But if it happens within what scripture has created as that framework, then that is orderly and we should pursue that because God wants to come and uh, change our lives and, and change our fellowships for his glory um, to, to bind us together in that love. You know, I think, uh, Brother Tom, there's a lot of leaders who may even have some concerns with with this. You know, I think if it's not a theological concern, you know, that's that's definitely an aspect we have different beliefs about you know, spiritual gifts. And, and I guess I'll just say on that is imitate Yeshua, right? Like whatever Yeshua did, Paul even writes, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul, you know, definitely exercises spiritual gifts and says, you know, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He, he welcomes prophecies. So we have to have that same welcoming, that imitation of Yeshua, the desire to be as he was. But then I guess there's also the fear of of losing control, losing that order as we're talking about. But if we are preemptive about teaching order, then we don't have to fear losing order. 
the fear of losing order, I think, comes in more when we are not uh, actually ahead and creating that teaching of order in our fellowships. But at the same time, also, I think in that nutshell is 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 be careful. I'll just say this to to leaders is is be careful of ungodly control, right? Because there's order and there is an, an, a control, a desire to control that is not for the benefit of the body, but is actually from fear itself. And I think we have to balance that protection that we what do we ought to have for the flock with also letting God's people be God's people. In other words, we allow them to exercise their gifts. Yes, we protect them, but we also allow them to be who God has called them to be. Um, so, yeah, I just I just wanted to add that as well. And and then when we when we do all of these things, we don't have to be afraid of what man may think or, you know, oh, it looks, you know, I know casting out demons is a big thing now that's coming up. You know, it's we have had a movie that was in the theaters recently. And so a lot of people are very excited about casting out demons. Um, and but before yet, it was, it's such a, a thing that many people are. Well, they're still afraid of because it looks crazy. It seems crazy, but we have to die to what what people might think. And and yet then perhaps we can really move past some of the past abuses and and things we've experienced and maybe ways we've been hurt in in terms of these kinds of things. And then we can move ahead to something that's really pure and lovely and in order. Uh, Pastor, do you have any concluding thoughts that you'd like to share? G. Finney, he was a man that um, revival followed this man. And they hated him for one reason. And that was because he told the people there was a systematic way that you could have revival. And they said, you can't manipulate God. You can't make him do that. He said, I'm not. It's in the scriptures. You do what God says to do. And so that seems simple. But when somebody actually puts their hands to the plow and does what the scripture says to do, that's where the mo- the majority of, of struggles come, you know, from. So, like, again, how do you walk this out? You know, how what if what if I'm a leader of a congregation and I'm starting to give freedom to my body to exercise this and they're new in it? And, you know, there's probably some hyper Pentecostals that or at least their background or hyper Pentecostalism. You know, they're charismatic. They they shout, they dance. And then you got, you know, fundamental Baptists that are very quiet in the pew. And I got a good example. I mean, I was I wasn't raised in church, but when I started going, it was a Baptist and my uncle was a oneness and he invited me to church. And I this is no lie, Petey. I walked in and with the children, I told my children, I said, You sit down and don't you get up. Sit still, be quiet. They're like, Okay, Daddy. And I'm five minutes in the service. One guy's running around the outside of the sanctuary going, Whoa! just screaming <laughs> and hollering. I look at them and they're like, their eyes are like this, you know. I'm like, I just told them not to do what this guy's doing. You know, I mean, screaming, hollering all the way around. And I thought and that was such a challenge for me because I was taught you don't do that. So now I looked at that with eyes of judgment because what I was taught. And that's why I think when we got fractured denominationalisms and we strong in one point and weak in the other, we form these judgments and we struggle 
with allowing somebody that can speak in tongues speak because we've been taught so long that it's not good, it's ungodly, it's a demonic. And so we have to walk through that until we get to this place where we can say, you know what, there is a place for that. And in its place, it's beautiful, it's needed. I mean, when somebody's really speaking in, in a language that, and they're conversing with God and somebody tells me what they said and it resonates in my spirit, it, you don't get no better than that. When somebody stands under the anointing of God and they preach and their conviction comes and my spirit is quickened and all day that word he's preaching has been on my heart, you fall down in the place and you do what Paul said. I, God is in this place, right? And that was what the body was designed to be when unbelievers and maybe lukewarm believers or people that are struggling come in. Amen. So, you know, how we proceed from here is, I think, is, is crucial. But the good news is it's exactly what God's doing. He's he's teaching us. He's long suffering. He's willing to let us do things and mess up and gently, lovingly correct us. And then at times, if we, you know, if we need a, a little smack on the hand to, to help us, he, he can do that. But I think, too, you know, Brother Peter, to conclude is is it's just timing. We're in a real move of God. I believe that, you know, when God is. You know, in, in, in Amos and, and, and uh, Jose, when God talks about the feast and how he had to take them away because they were just walking through it and their hearts were way off. Mm -hmm. Now we see a resurgence of that. To me, that's God putting us back on his time clock, back in rhythm with him, back in an order with him. Now, if we take the truth and we take what we've learned in the church and we bring those two together, It'll be a beautiful thing. It'll be where the power of God has manifested the true revival that we've heard preached about, talked about, cried about, prophesied. That is when we are doing what Jesus said to do, Yeshua said to do, we're walking in spirit and we're walking in the truth. You know, and I was even reading that today. And it's interesting that the mountain, this woman said, some say we worship in Jerusalem. That's where the truth is. Or some say we say we worship up here in, in the mountain. That's Mount Gerizim. That's where a lot of spiritual things took place. And he said, well, woman, I'll tell you the truth. The Father seeks such to worship him now. And there's going to come a time when we're not, nobody's going to be worshiping in the mountain or in Jerusalem. But the Father is seeking for spirit and truth believers. And I think right now is a, um, thankfully, right now is a time when we see that actually coming to pass not that there hasn't been pockets. There's always been pockets of believers. We're not the mm. only one. We're not. Amen. We're like Elijah. We're the only one. No, I got seven thousand <laughs> just like you. You know, uh -huh. but uh, but we're in the in the orbit of what God is doing, and that's what's exciting. Amen. You know, and I I guess I'll add to that that when we're talking about everything we're talking about, I think we just have to be reminded that. The whole purpose of everything here, really, of what he has given us in terms of the spiritual gifts and in terms of the truth, what is it all to accomplish? It's really to let the gospel go forth to the four corners. And so we might need to make sure that the gospel is preached. What Yeshua, what Jesus did for us is at the forefront. It has to be our message. We can't pursue gifts and pursue this and pursue that, but we lose sight of what is the gospel? How how must one be saved? Because so often, I mean, brother, I know you know this too. You know, I I find myself even in you know some of the events we had now, where the room is full of people 
majority who are already believers, but yet I know that there's a lot of them in there who don't actually fully understand the gospel because we get right. we get we get uh, we get uh, focused on all of the intricacies and details and deep stuff. But then we miss the deep revelation that well, the, even let me say the simple revelation of the of what Yeshua did for me. And it's that revelation that that really pierces our heart as it pierced the hearts of the men in Acts chapter two and said, what shall we do now? And he said, come rise, be baptized. And in that day, 3000 were baptized. And that mm -hmm. is revival. That is what God wants to do. That is what happens when the truth and the spirit come together. People are Amen. convicted. They repent of their sin. They throw out their witchcraft and their old lies and they come to him. And so, brothers and sisters, no matter where you're at, if you're a new believer, a non-believer or a mature believer, this is something that we all need to be looking to, because this is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst. And so I'll leave us all with Micah six, verse uh, uh, chapter six, verse eight. He says to seek justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That is the duty of man. That is for us to walk in, to, to seek justice. That is holiness and truth, to love mercy. That is to have compassion and, and kindness and fruits of the spirit, gentleness, all of these. And then to walk humbly before God, to make sure with a pierced heart, God, I'm here, Lord, just Make me more like you, Lord. I am not like yeah. you in this and this and that way. God, make me more like you, Lord. I am unworthy, but Lord, help me to be more like you. And when we go with that humility forward, he can absolutely and wants to use us because that's why Moses was picked. Moses was picked because I believe at least for one reason, it says that he was one of the most humble men on the earth. And so that's whom we should hope to be. God, make us humble. And so, Amen. brothers and sisters, I hope that this has blessed you. Uh, brother, could you could you pray for us as we end this off tonight? And then I'm going to go into the live chat. We're going to look at some of the uh, conversations and questions there. And if there's any questions that anyone has in the in the who are, who's watching this live, please ask away now and then uh, we'll retry to get to some of those. So thank you, Tom, for that prayer. Amen. So I just want to say one thing for I pray the greatest the greatest evidence that you have the spirit of God is a changed life. Amen. Your feet, your hands are changed by the presence of God. Not that we speak in tongues or do anything. The greatest evidence is a changed life. So father, in the name of Yeshua, we come before you with thankful and grateful hearts, Lord, Lord, every gift of the spirit, it's yours. You said it's the one and the same spirit that, gives diversely to the body that the body may be edified and so lord tonight i don't i don't understand all of your ways lord i i acknowledge you but i don't understand everything and so lord as we walk this out together you said if any man lacked wisdom let him ask god so god i ask you for wisdom for knowledge for understanding to be given not just to me but to brother Petey, to the body give us wisdom Give us understanding, give us, give us knowledge that we might be like Solomon. Lord, you gave Solomon a great, great gift to be king over all of Israel, the United Kingdom. And his prayer was for an understanding heart to know how to walk in and out before your people. So, Lord, would you grant that again to the body?
And Father, would you help us as we look to you in the name of Yeshua? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> hey, uh, guys, uh, I just I'm um, just having a look at the chat here, and um, I just saw some of the uh, some in the chat were asking, you know, what is repentance then truly? Uh, Minka said. I just came back from reading the Bible verse, so maybe I've been getting repentance wrong. I do know how sinful my nature was before, and I absolutely hate sin and the person I was before. I thought repentance means feeling regret, but I think that's not what it means. It's more of a, oh, no, I was awful and I don't want to be this way. I mean, Minka, all I'll, I'll, I'll just add to that is, yes, you know, it's this this. This, like in Acts 2, like we just mentioned, is this being pierced as the people were pierced when they recognized that their sin was what put him on the cross. And that was a, yes, there's a regret, but there's also a, a turning from what they were doing, a turning from their evil ways, a turning from their sin. So it's, it's an orientation of the heart, and then that orientation of the heart um, has true action, true change of life. Follow that as you call on the Lord to change you more into his nature. Because, look, you you can't get rid of your sin on your own. Like you can't on your own, um, even uh, just by behavior modification, be, be better. Ultimately, it has to be a, his empowerment that changes you, that empowers you to be different. And so that is really what repentance is. And, and really, repentance begins with with that and then baptism. So if you haven't been baptized truly and you don't know what baptism maybe fully is, really go watch some of our teachings. We have many teachings on baptism, but baptism is an integral part of repentance. So please consider that as, as well. Um, uh, I'm just having a look at some of these. Uh, Daughter of the King says, PD will be coming to Kentucky for ministry and deliverance. Well, I would love to come and I will bring Tom with me. <laughs> Please invite us if you want us to come. You can go to our website to contact us. Uh, Sandra said, Spirit and Truth, that's the heart of our Father. He can only open our eyes of our understanding. His revelation and knowledge opens our eyes of understanding. I mean, He has to be the one to open our eyes of understanding. And, and me and, and Brother Tom, we've just been, you know, we've just been really sharing what we know and from our experience and from what we see in the scriptures, but we have a lot to learn as well. And, and we need to all be looking and, and seeking for this understanding of God. How do we do this better than ever before? How do we steward this that Amen. you've given us? Yes, sir. Um, sister says, yes, we ask forgiveness every day. Amen. Okay. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to also then just ask you before we leave, uh, this broadcast is made possible by your support. I want to take up an offering for Pastor Tom. He doesn't even know that I'm going to be doing this. Um, but I am. I'm gonna, I want to ask you if you've been blessed by this message. Um, please go and consider in your heart to make an offering up to the Lord. Um, if this message has been a blessing to you and please share it. I believe it's really important. I believe that uh, this is something that the body really needs to look to and pursue to ready herself 
for this outpouring of the Spirit and the truth that the Father is doing in our midst. Many, many blessings and shalom to you.